The views expressed on The Andrew Cooper Writer Show are that of the host, Andrew Cooper Writer, or his guest hosts, and do not represent the views or values of the station or advertisers. If you disagree with something on the show, feel free to reach out to The Andrew Cooper Writer Show at theandrewshow.com. Once again, that's theandrewshow.com. Conservative. Constitutional. It's The Andrew Cooper Writer Show. Keeping you informed on what's going on right here in Kentucky. And a welcome, everybody, to another amazing day here on the Andrew Cooper Writer Show. Of course, I'm your host, Andrew Cooper Writer. <clears throat> Hopefully you tuned in yesterday, and if you did, at the end of the show, I was talking about CAR. Uh, Crisis Aversion Rights Retention Act, a red flag law that Whitney Westerfield, Senator Westfield, has filed in Kentucky. I've talked at nauseam at length on this program about this particular bill because I believe it's incredibly important for us to be covering this. It's incredibly important to talk about. Now, a few people sent me messages, emails, uh, communications saying, you know, is this really important. I my representatives have told me it's dead in the water. Uh is this really something to to uh I need to be concerned about? Is this something that uh, is is of importance? To which I say, yes, of course. Not just because making sure you are always reminding your legislators to protect your second amendment right is incredibly important. Uh and 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 I understand. <clears throat> you live in Kentucky. Kentucky's a very pro-gun state, and you think to yourself, these things will never happen here. In fact, Kentucky is one of the most uh, lax gun law states in the country, but a big part of that is because we have been, as a citizenry, pushing for Second Amendment issues for a very, very long time. It has been an important issue, and we continue to push for it. There's current fights going on in order to increase our gun rights here in Kentucky. I'll talk about those here in a little bit, but that's why talking about this is so incredibly important because you people out there like Whitney Westfield and others, and I'm saying others, that would seek to take away those Second Amendment rights do seek to pass laws about them, and you have got to pay close attention. Let's just go to what Whitney Westfield has said this past week about Carr and a, a few others. Whitney has been peddling uh, the whole idea and and. and this this thought process. He says that the momentum is with us on this bill. That more Republicans than ever say there are uh, they're a yes vote, but they won't say it publicly. Well, on a side note here, Whitney, when a person says they're a yes vote but won't say it publicly, that means they're a no vote. They're just saying that to be nice to you for the most part. They are a no vote. Um, because obviously a yes vote would be a public uh, proclamation of their viewpoint. And so if they're not willing to publicly say, I'm a yes vote to you, if they're not willing to publicly say, I'm a yes vote, uh, they're not a yes vote when it hits the floor either. Whitney, that's a, that's a no vote. Okay. If they say, well, you know, privately I'm a yes, but publicly I'm a no, that is a no vote on the floor because that is in public. But more importantly, the fact that anybody would even say, even if it's just to make Whitney feel better about the fact that this bill will never pass, oh, Whitney, just so you know, I publicly I can't say this, but I definitely support that bill. The fact that they would even say that in the first place is absolutely 
a, a clear evidence that fighting and continuing to call out and hold our legislators accountable to the need for us to protect our Second Amendment is important. But <clears throat> you could chalk up Whitney's claims that he's gaining ground and momentum and that this bill will eventually pass here in Kentucky, that red flag laws, that seizing that the government will be able to come in, knock down your door and take your guns away without you having even been uh, uh, convicted of a crime or you even being accused, as we covered yesterday, if somebody simply in your house is accused of being mentally unstable, you would have your Second Amendment rights taken away, government knocking down that door, taking them from you. So... He, he says at some point this could pass. I could say, once again, that's just a, a legislator on his way out saying something uh, to make himself feel get better, wish casting, you know, fake it till you make it. Maybe if he says people support this enough, people eventually will. They won't feel like they're alone, so on and so forth. But then we turn to David Givens. Remember, he's second in charge, Speaker Pro Tem in the Senate. He often sits in that Senate chair for Stivers. And he had said more people than ever are showing an interest and an open mind in discussing this issue, this problem. And that's why we have got to keep pushing on Second Amendment issues. And it's so important because not only if you don't continue to flood your legislature, I don't care how many times they tell you. I don't care. I don't care whoever your legislator is, whether it's David Mead, Josh Bray, um, whether it's, it's Lockett or... Kim King or Timoney, which sucks for you if it's Timoney, uh, or Fister, he's in this area. Um, you know, if, if, it's, if, if you're listing up in northern Kentucky, it doesn't care if, if Maddox is your, is your representative, the one of, if not the most pro-Second Amendment legislators in uh, Frankfurt right now. It doesn't matter. You need to. Every time you see them, every time you talk to them, maybe even once a week, make sure you are letting them know, hey, make sure you're supporting our Second Amendment rights. Hey, make sure you're you're clear, right, that this, this red flag law isn't going to pass. Because Whitney's over here saying that people are into it. So you're not, right? Hey, you said this bill was dead, but I just want to remind you to make sure you're standing strong to ensure it stays dead. That's one thing you can be doing. But the other thing we need to be doing is continuing to get wins on the two-way here in Kentucky. Savannah Maddox has a bill. I've talked about this on the show, I think, last week. She proposed a bill to move constitutional carry down to 18 years old. I talked about the current laws and, and how this would affect it. Uh, campus carry, a bill to allow universities and others to um, students on universities to be able to carry a gun that they can't have their second amendments taken away just because they're attending a public university. And uh, I think Savannah Maddox also has a, I don't know if she has a campus carry bill this year, but she does have a get rid of gun free zones saying that they are completely worthless and everything else. And these are all worthy causes and they are worth the fight. You may say, look, we're already the most pro-Second Amendment. I can literally, uh, as long as I can legally own a gun, I can carry a gun concealed as long as I'm over 21 here in Kentucky. What else is there? There's a lot else you could be doing. There's a lot. Because we could be ground zero for arguing against all these people that want to take away guns, even nationally, to, to be a case study. You know, we have, we have case studies in Chicago and others where very strict gun laws are not leading to lower gun crimes. But we could be 
a case study for how the lax basically no gun laws outside of if you commit a crime it gets taken away from you convicted of a crime gets taken away from you results in a safer community that has less crimes overall because it's a mess around and find out type community that when somebody comes in to do a mass shooting they injure one because everybody has drawn their gun and shot them in return that people uh, are polite to each other on the street. That you don't have to worry about being robbed because everybody knows that mm, anybody out here could have a gun on them and is encouraged to carry. And so, therefore, I don't want to commit crimes against somebody else. That could be the society we live in, but we got to make that happen here in Kentucky. Well, we have some very odd things, very, very interesting story coming out of the michael adams office secretary of state's office i know we've talked a little bit about some of his odd behaviors um being driven by his desire to run for governor here on the show before but here we've got an odd thing coming out on voter id odd opinion on it um on a senate bill senate bill 80 by adrian southworth we're gonna be digging into what he had to say after this short break you're listening to the andrew cooperator show your source for kentucky politics if you want to reach out to the show feel free to email info at the once again that's info at the and if you miss an episode if you want to go back and listen you want to stay with it head on over to the and please please once again make sure you're reminding others to tune on and tell people about it at work if you're sitting there listening to it on the radio right now text somebody tell them hey tune in to wzxi if you're listening to this on the podcast format share it to your facebook share it to your twitter spread the news we'll be back after this short break you're back with the andrew cooperwriter show your source for kentucky politics so michael adams uh, is is behaving weird on twitter again weird for somebody who clearly wants to run for governor he's he, he has said it many times he says he wants to run for governor he keeps saying things like he's going to run for governor but he keeps behaving in a way that makes next to no sense and i hope he continues to do that because because lord knows i do not want that man to win uh the republican primary for governor but le- let's let's talk about what he's been saying so senate bill 80 sponsored by adrian southworth bans using student ids as far as a ID in order to be allowed to vote. So if you show up to vote, you got to show government-issued ID. You cannot show just your, your university ID or an employee ID, which you could have before. And so this is basically saying, look, we're going to tighten up our elections, make sure that those showing up to vote are exactly the people they say they are. And Adam's fight on this makes next to no like political sense. I'm, I'm literally right now trying to understand what his reason for this fight is, and I'm only coming up with two reasons, possibly. And both point to just either how petty or stupid he is. But first, let's look at what's going on here. So, like every single every single Republican votes yes on Senate Bill 80 uh, in the Senate. And it's headed over to the House. And Michael Adams, who's been making fun of this bill, tweets uh, this out. So he retweets an article... Uh, from the Kentucky Lantern, and he captions it with, uh, the legislature isn't listening to me, so I guess I really am governor material after all. 
taking a swipe at the Republicans in the legislature, some of which would normally be the type to be on his side. I mean, that's like every Republican voted yes on this bill in the Senate. Makes no sense. So Adams, we know, wants to run for governor. I mean, he was just uh, this week running around the Fayette County Women's Soup Supper telling everybody and their mother how he is uh, going to run for governor, he'd be a great candidate, and he's, he's running for it. But Adams has a big, big problem. He's got a very huge Achilles heel, and that is fundraising. He has been historically in all of his elections majorly a self-funder. I mean, even in his last election, he is an incumbent secretary of state running for re-election, and yet the vast majority of his campaign finances came from him. He gave his own campaign hundreds of thousands of dollars, and in Basically, that was most of the money of the campaign. And he's a self-funder, so he can't raise money. And that's a big problem when you go into an expensive primary. So let's be very clear about elections. Let's, let's make sure everybody understands why people win. Um, and now, I mentioned this on Twitter. I, I tweeted out about how he's like got a big Achilles heel. He can't fundraise. And by attacking every single sitting Republican senator, he's only making that problem bigger, like much bigger. And of course, all the dumb lefties and, and dumb butts responded with, well, you lost two elections. <laughs> yeah, I did. But I know exactly why. And it had nothing to do with ideas, candidate quality, anything like that. I knew I was in an uphill battle from the beginning. And the fact, if you can recognize what happened in your elections, that helps you learn. But, but both my elections that I lost came down to money. The other person had it because people who earn either, well, in one case, somebody who, uh, uh, people who earn a living, earn investments off the government, decided to dump a bunch of money into somebody because they knew with me in office, they wouldn't be, uh, they'd have somebody who would be standing against them trying to make money off the taxpayers back. And then the other election, you had somebody who just really, really wanted to hold that office, uh, had the money, older individual that had no blood children, nobody to give it to. And so you might as well dump it all into an election, right? And so you understand that they both dumped a lot of money. I mean, in the Senate, I lost because they spent five times more than I did. Five times more. I still have a record for the most amount of money ever spent by one candidate in a state Senate primary. And that's what I was up against. Now, I still took 45% of the vote, but they had to spend a lot. And it's the same with the treasurer. I mean, I have a name like Cooper Ryder against a guy with the name of Metcalf. Literally, a Kentucky county is called Metcalf. And he spent five, six times more than me. He didn't say much, but he didn't have to. Why? Because elections are really simple to understand. There are a few different levels, but anything less than top of the ticket, voters pay basically zero attention to. They're too busy. They don't going to go Google. They're not going to research their ballot or candidate. Maybe you do. You probably are more likely to, based upon the fact you're even listening to this show, but most do not. They vote from dumb things like postcards in the mail and TV ads. And the absence of those, if they're not being bombarded with political ads... They're going to vote for a name that they think is familiar. And Michael Adams is an awfully familiar sounding name. If I threw a ballot down and, and, and just had anybody vote on it, a conservative, and I throw ballots down and I say, you know nothing about him, vote for Secretary of State. Michael Adams would probably win already before anybody spent any money because he's got such an, a, a name that people feel like they know.
So in the absence of a name they know, a name that they think is familiar, they vote based upon, well, did somebody get an ad to me? So when it comes to the Secretary of State's primaries, Adams has been in, even though he's been self-funding to the tunes of hundreds of thousands of dollars every campaign, but he still had the most money in the primary because it's Secretary of State primary. I mean, prior to, same with the treasurer's primary. Before I ran for treasurer, the most amount ever spent in treasurer's primary on the Republican side was 108000 Last year, every single candidate spent more than that, including me. And, and the other two candidates spent three, four, five, six times more than that. And this is, this is what you got to understand, that these down-ticket races, they are very different than a governor's race. Just because you can win in a primary for Secretary of State is no indication you can win for governor. And it, because when you're running for governor, you're up against people who also have millions of dollars to spend. Adams will be up against a person who has millions. And if Adams doesn't learn how to fundraise, and he's not going to learn how to fundraise when he's literally attacking every single sitting Republican in the Senate, that's not helping him. So if he doesn't learn how to fundraise, and unless he's got the millions himself that he's ready to drop, he will be outspent by a magnitude that even if he does manage to pull off enough percentage then to be worth attacking. The other issue is he's given so much material that he will be buried in a primary, just buried. The guy's come out against Trump. He's right now consulting on Nikki Haley's campaign. The guy has come out against... Uh, uh, you know, Republicans on abortion. He's not pro-life. He's come out and said that. He's come out and, and literally attacked election integrity now. Common sense things like, hey, you know what? An ID is a government-issued ID. He attacks that. He has given his opponents so much. And he will be in an expensive primary where even if he does raise the money, he'll be up against somebody who also has the money to get out a message. Now, You'd hope that people realize this, but people don't. They don't. They they think of a secretary of state election as the same as a governor's election. Now, another thing that these pro Adams people bring up is say, well, he got the most amount of votes in the general there back in November, so he must be doing something right. Well, the very reason why he got the most amount of votes in December in in, in November is exactly the same reason why he will struggle in a Republican primary. And people are realizing it. Because the kind of Republican Democrats want to cross the aisle and vote for a whole lot is the kind of Republican that doesn't win primaries. Nor do, nor, nor do we need to. We just need to turn out Republicans. If we weren't a majority Republican state, you would need to win over Democrat voters. But in this state, you just need to turn out Republican voters. We already have a majority. That's something... To keep in mind. And so you can't compare that because Adams is already going to get either every single Republican vote or basically a no vote. Because if you don't like Adams because he's too liberal, you're not going to vote for the Democrat. And so that only leaves some liberals to say, you know what, let's vote for Adams, which is why he got the most amount of votes. And that is and, and that reason why the fact liberals like him means he's saying and doing things that the Republican base doesn't like. Doesn't like. So Adams will be up against a person who has millions. Adams can't raise money himself. Adams is giving tons of ammunition to his opponents. I mean, and, and you know what? I hope that Adams is so stupid 
that he believes that that he can win. I th- I, I I hope he believes his own hype because it will end up in defeat. Now, why why would Adams do this? Why is why is Adams pushing us out there? Well, quite frankly, uh, I think there's two options here. First is because it doesn't make much political sense. I mean, just from a sheer Republican side of things, you know election integrity is important to conservatives. And this is a pretty simple, basic, straightforward idea that people who vote should use a government-issued ID to confirm their identity. This is this is like a red meat conservative issue. This is This is like basic, right? This is like... I don't know how else to explain this. This is just a red meat, easy, you know, like 100% of Republicans would agree with this issue. It's like immigration. It's like passing an immigration law to to stop illegal immigration or stand against it. Like, yeah, every single Republican and even most, dem- some Democrats, not even most, but some Democrats agree that, yeah, yeah, okay, that's, that's a good bill. That's a fine thing to do. So why is Adams taking against it? Well, there's two reasons. One has to do with the bill's sponsor and the other has to do with a personality flaw he has. On top of that, there's another really dumb comment on this, but you're going to have to wait till after this break to hear all about that right here on the Andrew Cooper Editor Show. As a reminder, if you want to reach out to the show or see past episodes, head on over to theandrewshow.com. Please make sure you're sharing this with others, but otherwise we'll be back here in just a few, few short minutes. And you are back with the Andrew Cooper Ryder Show. Before the break, we were talking about Michael Adams striking out against Senate Bill 80, a bill to require government ID, issued ID in order to vote, banning the use of uh, college IDs or employer IDs and uh, debit cards and credit cards as a source of good ID to vote, as, as a way to confirm your identity for the poll worker so you can cast your ballot. And it leaves one to wonder, why is Adams, a Republican, so against this? It's a red meat issue. It should be pretty straightforward. Well, there could be two reasons why. And the the first has to deal with the fact he really hates the bill's sponsor, Adrian Southworth. Uh, And she right now is in an interesting three-ray primary. It's got a good one cooking. And one of the number one knocks uh, the people campaigning against her will say is that she's been so marginalized in the Senate and she can't work with others to the point that even if you support her ideas and, and she's quote unquote been marginalized because she is very conservative, uh, that if you support her ideas, well, they'll never get passed. So you should go ahead and support me because I can work better with others. And I, I think there honestly is some good back and forth and, and some good debate on that point. Uh, I'm not personally going to get into. I would I would love to have her and uh, the other. It's a three-way primary, but there's only one other candidate I really have any interest in, which is Aaron Reed. And that I'd love to have them both on. I know them both pretty well, uh, and I'd love to see a debate between the two of them. I think it'd be very interesting. So if Adrian or Aaron are listening, and I know both of you listen occasionally, um, reach out to me if you have any interest in doing that, because I think our listeners would be very interested. But to this point, that Adrian Southworth uh, can pass bills. Well, you blow a big hole in that entire idea if she's able to pass some good red meat legislation. And right now, she just passed out of the Senate, Senate Bill 
uh, 80, a good red meat, you know, election integrity bill uh, about voter identification. And she's got another bill uh, that requires government to always take cash payments. So basically, uh, there's a push by some people to get rid of cash. Uh, some people say it's because they seek to control others that if if you don't have physical money, if all your money's in a bank account or tied to a card or a chip of some sort, then they could cut it off just like they did to the truckers up in Canada when they were uh, you know doing their protesting. And so there's some individuals that push for that reason, but there's other individuals that say, look, not everybody has a bank account and government should be open and accessible to all. And so government should always take cash. And so she's got a bill cooking that would require the state of Kentucky to always take cash payment uh, for bills, for for things that the government does, licenses and, and taxes, so on and so forth. And um, that has over 20, that has right now like 20 co-sponsors on it. I mean, more sponsors than it would need to pass, uh, than votes it would need to pass. So if she can pass two, you know, kind of red meat conservative pieces of legislation this session, uh, that the base voters, election integrity and fighting against the di digitizing of our currency, well, that that goes a long way to going in, in front of that argument that, well, Adrian Southworth is just too marginalized to get something done. And Adams hates her because of her election integrity stances. And so he wants her out of there. And by maybe he thinks by giving her this win, it's helping her out in the primary. So he will take a stand against this bill, even though it hurts his political future. And it literally makes no sense. Now, there's another option here, and that is the fact that he's a raging narcissist. I mean, he is that's who he is. I know on this show a lot we, quote unquote, name call people. <laughs> Sometimes, but I calls them as I sees them. Okay, I you got to understand these characters and people. And at the end of the day, we do have to once again start attributing these types of characteristics to our elected officials. This whole like, oh, let's just be super nice to each other politics. It isn't working. It's what's got us into a giant government with huge regulations. It's spending way too much, putting us in debt. And meanwhile, our our kids are falling apart. Mental health is is out the roof. Suicide drugs use it's all going crazy it's all going into the trash can maybe it's time we start doing things a little bit different but he is a raging narcissist and anybody who knows him has been around him has gone into his office even knows exactly what i'm talking about because let me explain if you walk into the secretary of state's office on their um like foyer meeting area where you'd wait there's a picture on the wall at least there was last time i was in there which was about a year and a half ago and there's a picture on the wall and on the wall uh, is a black and white, it's probably like 10 feet long, three, four feet high photo of Michael Adams from like a side view sitting at a completely empty wood desk with like a leather topper typing on a computer. And that's what's in the entryway. That That is the biggest thing in the entry. Not an American flag, not a Kentucky thing, not a picture of all the office workers, but a black and white artsy photograph of Michael Adams typing on a computer. That kind of gives you an idea of who you're dealing with here, right? And so he takes it personal. Anytime somebody talks about election integrity or issues going on in our, going on in our elections, he takes it very personal. So that could be a reason why. Now, uh, dumbest comment, though, on this bill comes from Whitney Westerfield. Because truthfully, returning now to him early on, I called him a moron. This just exhibits the reason why. Uh, he had this to say about the the bill, and I'm not. I'm just. I'm just gonna go ahead. I'm gonna read it 
word for word um, because I think I, I don't want to misrepresent. So he said, I'd have voted no. No one knew, so I reached out to UK, U of L, Murray, WKU, KCTCS, EKU, U Pike, and the Association of Independent Kentucky Colleges and Universities. And of those, only EKU and U Pike didn't rely on government issued ideas proof to obtain a university ID. So he comments that he would have voted no because he claims that it's unnecessary. Because all but two universities that he reached out to, of the many in, in Kentucky, all but two of them already require you to provide a government-issued ID for them to issue their school ID. Which, one, that's no guarantee that somebody doesn't get a hold of it. But two, besides that, you're literally proving the point of the legislation is that they are not required to check a government ID to issue these IDs. So they're not a good stand-in for a government ID. You found two universities not requiring it, Whitney. You're proving the point of why the piece of legislation should exist in the first place. You've reached out to a few universities. you found out two aren't. That's a good reason to vote for the bill. We should fix that problem. But instead, he says that as if it's a reason to not vote for the bill. How great. It's, it's, it's just morons in our Senate sometimes. It's, it's just so weird. These very far-left liberal Republicans would be way more of a threat if they weren't so just ridiculous and don't. They have no ability to look in a mirror and realize what they're saying. Now, of course, Democrats have cascaded Senate Bill 80 as uh, voter suppression, yada, 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 all that stuff. Doesn't really matter what they say, but it's off to the House. We'll see if it passes. Speaking of the House, House recently passed a uh, joint resolution. This is joint resolution um, 57 to support Texas. And Bashir uh, used a whole lot of hyperbole. He's none too happy about the passage of this. So, uh, basically, Bashir, of course, has not come out and said he supports Texas as all other red state governors have. And so Rebecca Raymer, as well as um, I think Richard Heath, put forward uh, this piece of uh, resolution that the House voted on and passed. Basically, every Republican voted yes and almost every Democrat, I think every Democrat that was there voted no. Uh, and it's, it's very straightforward. I'm going to read the House Joint Resolution for you after this break. But Bashir, just his response just tells you, once again, we talk about liberal. Maybe it's not these liberal Republicans that are just morons. Maybe it's any liberal or leftist. Or there's an R or D next to their name. Just don't know how to like reflect on what they're saying. Or maybe it is they just they just really rely on people to not think for two seconds. Like they just say things like, oh, that sounded good. Because what Bashir had to say is absolutely ridiculous. But we'll be going over that after this short break. You're listening to the Andrew Cooperwriter Show, your source for Kentucky politics. If you want to reach out to the show, make sure you email info at theandrewshow.com. Once again, that's info at theandrewshow.com. We'll see you back here in just a few short minutes. There's an awful lot of talk out there going on about what's happening with Texas. And as every state joins in with their support, every red state here in Kentucky, we hear and heard a louder and louder call for Bashir to stand up and say he supports Texas. Now, I, I do want to make sure we're very clear on what's going on in Texas, what's it mean, because a whole lot of dumb lefties... Um, 
a whole lot of silly liberals want to get people riled up and they want to say what Texas is doing is illegal, so on and so forth. But you try to ask them what exactly is Texas doing that's illegal and they can't tell you. Or they say they're defying the Supreme Court. And you say, what exactly are they doing that is defying the Supreme Court? They can't tell you. Why? Because what Texas is doing isn't defying the Supreme Court. You see, the Supreme Court recently ruled, quote unquote, against Texas in a very narrow way. It was simply a uh, inductive hearing, so a hearing before the full trial, that would say whether or not the Biden administration uh, and Border Patrol could cut away the razor wire that Texas has put up. Can the Border Patrol take down the razor wire that Texas has put up while the actual case itself is being worked through the courts? And the Supreme Court said, yes, the Department of Border Border Security, Border Control, sorry, Department of Border whatever. Anyways, that Border Patrol can, in fact, and the federal government can, in fact, cut down the razor wire that Texas puts up. Now, it didn't say Texas couldn't put up razor wire. It didn't say Texas can't protect the border. It didn't say anything else. And until something occurs where Texas is putting up wire or wall or border, and then the federal government comes in to take it down, and Texas says, over our dead bodies, is there going to be any kind of a legal thing that happens? No, what Texas came out and said was that according to their uh, belief in the, in the Constitution, not just their belief, but it's pretty clear and plain, this is what the Constitution said. I mean, there is no way, absolutely no way, that the states would have joined in on the Constitution if they were giving up their ability to defend themselves against foreign invaders or the ability to to protect their borders. Uh, not with other states, but protect their border if they bordered with another country. I mean, that's just ludicrous on its surface that any any state at that time would have joined the Constitution if that's what it was saying. But anyways, they 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 quoted some parts of the Constitution to say that they will continue to enforce the border because the federal government is failing to. And other states have joined in saying and signaling their support. Basically, it seems like what they're saying is Texas... The border problem is affecting us as well. If you need resources, you're right in that you have the right to enforce the federal law when when Biden won't. And if you need resources from us, we will give them to you. That's a, basically what they're saying because they're saying, hey, look, this border problem is a problem for all of us. Well, Bashir, of course, refused to take a stand on that. And so our state legislature, our state house passed the following resolution this week. It says uh, a resolution urging Governor Annie Bashir to express support for Governor Greg Abbott in the state of Texas and their efforts to secure the border. Whereas in fiscal year 2023, United States Customs and Border Protection reported more than 3.2 million migrant encounters nationwide, of which over 2.4 million were recorded at the southern border. The total number of apprehensions were almost equal to the number of births registered in the United States in 2022 at over 3.6 million. And whereas by July 2023, the United States Customs and Border Protection reported that it experienced more than 7 million encounters with migrants crossing the border since President Biden took office, the approximate population of Massachusetts, the 16th most populous state. And whereas the Border Patrol processed more migrants who entered the United States illegally in December of 2023 than in 
any other month in the agency's history and whereas the executive branch of the United States has a constitutional duty to enforce federal laws protecting the states, including the immigration laws that are currently in place, and whereas the Biden administration has failed to enforce those laws and has even violated them, resulting in an unprecedented influx of illegal immigration entering the United States, whereas a growing number of states are expressing support for the state of Texas and protecting the United States border from illegal entry. On January 25th, 2024, 25 governors recently released the following statement. President Biden and his administration have left Americans and our country completely vulnerable to the unprecedented illegal immigration pouring across the southern border. Instead of upholding the rule of law and securing the border, the Biden administration has attacked and sued Texas for stepping up to protect American citizens from historic levels of illegal immigrants, deadly drugs like fentanyl, and terrorists entering our country. We stand in solidarity with our fellow Governor Greg Abbott and the state of Texas in utilizing every tool and strategy, including razor wire fence, to secure the border. We do it in part because the Biden administration is refusing to enforce immigration laws already on the books and is illegally allowing mass parole across America of migrants who enter our country illegally. The authors of the United States Constitution made clear that in times like these, states have a right to self-defense under Article 4, Section 4, Article 1, Section 10, Clause 3 of the U.S. Constitution. Because the Biden administration has abdicated its constitutional compact duties to the states, Texas has every legal justification to protect the sovereignty of our states and nations. The resolution continues to say this affects Kentucky and says that they call on and strongly urge Governor Andy Bashir to express support for Governor Greg Abbott and the state of Texas in their efforts to secure the southern border. So this is just a resolution, and, and you can tell it's not telling him to send any troops down. It's not doing anything else. It's simply saying, look, you need to uh, strongly think about supporting Texas. Now, I read it to you in its entirety, pretty much what it said. And Bashir issued a tweet thread on this, but I want to zero in on one part. He says, finally, I have concerns that today's resolutions are based on a legal theory that was previously used to support secession. Now, before the break, I had talked about how I guess just all liberals are are just morons. They're just not intelligent people. And Bashir is, is clearly showing us this. Because this is not the legal justification that was used for secession of the South during the last Civil War. What are you talking about, Bashir? I mean, there has never been a single time that a standoff with the federal government has been around this specific issue, not immigration, but in this way. Because all, all previous times, right? So, so take secession, right? Secession... Uh, by the South was about the fact that the federal government was passing laws and enforcing them that the South didn't like things that were affecting them economically. And of course they were concerned to uh, slavery was a part of that. They were concerned about slavery and they were concerned about the federal government passing laws and then enforcing them that would negatively affect their economies. And therefore they wanted to withdraw from the United States because they didn't want their economies uh, being affected by the federal government. That was the South's view, okay? I'm not saying I agree with it. I'm just saying that was their view. That is nowhere near what's going on here. I mean, take, take when they had to federalize the, the National Guard in Alabama for the civil rights. That was about, once again, enforcing a law that was duly passed by Congress. 
This is nothing like that, Bashir. I mean, this is a situation where there has been, okay, uh, people who've passed a laws, the representative of the people in Congress passed laws, and now Biden is refusing to enforce those laws. And so now it's falling to a state to do it. I mean, this is like saying, okay, this is like saying that someone is saying that murder should be legal has the same logic as someone saying, hey, all of us got together and, uh, you know, it's like someone saying that murder should be legal and I'm, I'm going to fight you over that is the same as someone saying, hey, all of us got together and the people we elected who are already ordained to do so voted that murder was and in, 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 is illegal and should be illegal. Uh, do you agree? Yes, I do. Okay, great. Will you enforce it? No, I won't. Okay, well, I guess we'll enforce it then. I mean, that that is what's going on here. And for Bashir to somehow say this is the same thing as secession shows he's not only politically ignorant, he is historically ignorant as well. It's nowhere near the same thing. You know, Bashir ran on the fact that he claimed that this isn't about red or blue. We're all one Kentuckians. Although clearly for this, for Bashir, it is about red or blue. Clearly. Because there is no way you claim that this argument is the same as secession unless you're trying to latch on to anything you can to justify your far left view on the southern border. While at the same time making it sound like you're somehow a great uniter. You're not uniting anybody. You're just a liar or you're ignorant. Either way, you're a horrible governor. Well, y'all, that's what we've got time for today on the Andrew Cooper Show. We'll be back here tomorrow. 9 9 a.m. on WZXI, 1 o'clock everywhere else. Have a great rest of your day.